The Zamzo's Garden Show is sponsored by Zamzo's. The views, opinions, and advice offered by the show's hosts do not necessarily reflect those of KBOI or its parent company, Cumulus Media. KBOI makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information expressed and shall not be responsible or liable for any claims arising out of the use of or reliance upon any such information. What kind of seeds are you sowing? Why is it so green where you're from? It must be Zamzo's growing in your yard, garden, or barn. You've done it right, you see it. Got the help that you need it. Zamzo's really makes you want to come home. I'm coming home. Cause nobody knows. Like Zamzo's. News Talk 670 KBOI. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on News Talk 670 KBOI. To be a part of the show, call now, 1-800-529-KBOI or 336-3700. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on the Big 670 KBOI. How's it going, everybody? This is the Zamzo's Garden Show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie. This week, we're doing another pre-recorded show, so we're not taking any phone calls, so we apologize about that. But I got a special guest for you one more time. We've got Jim Zamzo in studio here to record and uh, talk a little bit more about health. We're going into all sorts of different things about healthy and balance. And, and Jim, thanks again for being here with us and taking the time to talk about more of this stuff. Everybody wants to know more. So uh, thanks a lot for being here. Oh, you're welcome, Nolan. Glad so, to be here. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. So for the last two shows that we've done, if you hadn't had a chance to hear those, we're going to be looking to ways to get those out for everybody to listen to in the future. But we've been talking a lot about soil health, a lot about the history of Zamzos and how you've brought the company to where it is now and what we do, what we offer. But you know, one of the big things that we haven't really talked a lot about is how all of this healthy soil, healthy living relates to our pets. Dogs and cats probably specifically is what we sell the most of, what we deal with on a daily basis in our stores. So Jim, how can we tie that in? Why are we in this space as well? Why are we selling the best dog food that we can, the best supplements that we can? What are we doing here? I'm just sitting here thinking uh, that's a pretty big subject. <laughs> yeah. but uh, We'll try to break it down a little bit. Let's go back to pre-World War II when uh, all of the dogs that were running around outside were getting table scraps and, uh, and eating whatever they could get in the barnyard and so yeah. on and so forth. Then uh, after World War II, the first commercial dog foods uh, were released. It almost seems like dogs have been around for a long time, and it was only until the 1940s that really yeah. a commercial dog food was in place. Oh, I think dogs ate uh, pig feed and all kinds Just of stuff. Whatever, if you yeah, got whatever right they down could to, find, you know, yeah. whatever they could get. But when we started dealing with the commercial feeds for animals, dogs in particular, what really happened was just the transition from a hog food over to a dog food is mm. what, what really occurred. Yeah. So they used corn-based feeds, mm. uh, grain-based feeds. It had some meat meals and so on in them. I uh, didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the vitamins and minerals. And the dogs got by. Right. But most dogs ran outside. They weren't house pets. They weren't, weren't, there wasn't a lot of concern over them. Uh, if they got rough skin or something like that, then uh, you know, nobody paid much attention right, to it. Yeah. 
But as they became more domesticated and we started having our dogs coming in the house and we started caring for them better and we wanted them to live longer, we wanted them to not have so much flatulence. We needed to have some control over the stool so that we had, instead of big cow pies, we had something (laughs) that was a little bit more manageable. And so we started paying closer attention to our diets. But one of the things that I realized When I got really involved in this, and this has been several decades ago, we started realizing that we were having a lot more cancer, Mm. a lot more skin problems, a lot more glandular type of issues. And being in the feed business, we started realizing that those were feed and food related problems. We recognized that some of these preservatives that were being used, BHT, BHA, ethoxyquine, and so on, were uh, causing some problems in the animals. Yeah. Now, there's a big argument that goes along with that because the manufacturers of those chemicals will say there's no proof to that yeah, uh, sure. being true. But all I can tell you is uh, when we stop using them that those, <laughs> those problems have a tendency to go away. Right. So, yeah. so there you have it. But uh, one of the main ingredients that was used in most of the commercial dog foods was what we called rendered meat veal. Rendered Mm. meat and bone meal. Okay. And what happens when you render meat is you basically run it through, you cook it, you take off all the fat, you take off all of the cartilage, and then you end up with just a protein-type material, and then that's what's added as an ingredient Mm. to feeds. Okay. Okay, well, what have you taken out of that? You've taken out the fat, of course, which is very important, especially in canine nutrition. You've taken out all the cartilage, which is very, very important, for an animal to consume and rebuild their joints and their ligaments and tendons and connective tissue. Right. But we can always add those back in and call them chondroitin sulfate or hyaluronic (laughs) acid or, uh, you know, mucopolysaccharides, if you will. So I thought that's not a very good ingredient for us to be using. And the worst part about that was, is I found out that all of these rendered animals that went into meat and bone meal were often what they called downer cattle. Mm. or dead and dying animals, Mm. and euthanized animals. Yeah. And that's all species of euthanized animals. So what does that mean? Well, it means that the euthanized animals have been injected with a drug that will kill them. Right. The downer animals are animals that have been fed antibiotics in real strong doses trying to make them survive, only to lose them, which means they've been pumped full of every chemical you can imagine so that they'll survive, but they die anyway. Where do those animals go? They're picked up and they're sent to the rendering plant. So I realized meat and bone meal is not a good ingredient. We've got to start finding ingredients that are clean, that are off of the the human kill floor, if you will. Yeah. So we went to the butchers. We found out where we could get the proper meats. And in the case of our Idaho fish and potatoes, those are all human-grade processed uh, trout. Right. And our good Idaho potatoes that go into there, those are clean sources of starches. And they're what we call grain-free. Yeah. And that's important because what's happening with so many of our dogs these days is they're becoming type 2 diabetic. Yeah. And why is that happening? Grain converts in the gut to sugar. Yeah. Sugar requires extra insulin. The dogs actually evolve into diabetic animals. So that's why we built the grain freeze. I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit here. Yeah, no, it's fine. I think uh, I think we'll be able to transition and, and maybe get into in depth in a, in a few of those other things in some of the other segments here. So okay, well, that's great. 
So there's a lot more to it than that. Are yeah, you ready absolutely. for more? <laughs> <laughs> well, we probably have uh, are a little short on time to get into another deep topic. So why don't we take a quick little break and uh, we'll uh, come back and we'll start talking about some of those other things and get into those. So it's a great discussion, just bringing up some different things and some ideas that you might not have thought about when you were <laughs> choosing your dog food. You know, anymore, we kind of take it for granted. We've kind of got to this point where we're choosing from some really good things especially when you're in Zamzos, you can go to some other places and might not always have as good options. But when you're looking at those high premium foods, there's going to be a difference. We'll get into some of those things here after we come back from a short break here on the Zamzos Garden Show. The Zamzos Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk 670 KBOI. Hi, this is Callie Zamzo, and at Zamzo's, we want you to have the greenest lawn in the neighborhood and do what's best for your kids, your pets, and the environment. Well, you can have all of that and more simply by signing up for Zamzo's annual lawn program. You get five applications of our own biologically correct lawn food plus Zamzo's Humagreen for one low price. But in 2021, the rising cost of pretty much everything has forced us to raise the price of both Zamzo's Lawn Food and Humagreen, which in turn increased the cost of our annual lawn program for 2022. So to make it easier for our customers to renew, we decided to delay increasing the price of our lawn program until December 24th. So why pay more when you can renew your Zamzo's Lawn Program now at this year's price and get 10% off any plants and garden supplies you buy at Zamzo's through the end of 2022? So come see us now at any of our 13 stores and save green when you go green in 2022 with help from us at Zamzo's. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. Broncos Radio. Since 1973, you've been able to hear Boise State games on KBOI. And if you're in the Treasure Valley, you can also hear the games online at KBOI.com and on the KBOI app for free. Outside the Treasure Valley, you can catch the games free on the TuneIn app. Your home for Boise State football, on air and online. We are News Talk, KBOI. Okay, we are back here with the Zamzo's Garden Show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie, and with me is Jim Zamzo. We're talking about health and animals and our pets and our dogs specifically and some other things like that we'll get into. But uh, this is a pre-recorded show, so we're not taking any phone calls today. But stick around because we're going to talk about some really fascinating things and hopefully help everybody make decisions about what they feed their animals and providing healthier, more nutritious life for them. So, Jim, we were talking a little bit about kind of the history of dog food, you know, and, and Zamzos has kind of been there for a long time. We've carried a lot of different foods over the years, but at some point we transitioned into our own food and we've got a couple of different things out there. So how did you begin or where did you start when you were looking into formulating a Zamzo's food? Anytime I think about building a formula or a ration for a domesticated animal, I try to go back and look at the evolution of that animal and what it learned to eat in the wild. Sure. We've made feed for alpacas and ostriches and just about every kind of creature yeah. in between, hedgehogs. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so you have to try to figure out what did those animals eat naturally in the wild that made them healthy? What did they evolve into eating? Yeah. And how can we best try to adapt to that? Yeah. Well, let's go to a dog then. We see lots of ads about wolves and, and things like that, and I think that's appropriate because our dogs have evolved from wild dogs. Yeah. So what do wild dogs eat? 
In the case of large dogs or the wolf type dogs, those were the consumers of what we call large muscle mass. Mm. So, in other words, and without being too graphic, you know, <laughs> a, a wolf will take down a caribou or, or something like that. And the first thing that they do is they don't eat the big muscle meats. Right. They eat uh, the, the reproductive organs and they eat the digestive organs. Yeah. Why would they do that? Yeah. Because we think really of a dog as being a carnivore when in truth they're not a true carnivore. They're actually an omnivore. Right. So the first thing a dog does is eats the digestive area of the animal, mm -hmm. which contains partially digested grasses, seeds, and those types of things. Right. The things that the dog is not equipped to digest himself. So he eats something that the herbivore has partially digested. Mm -hmm. In that is contained all of the natural bacteria, all of the natural enzymes, the minerals that are what we call chelated, because they're in the natural form, sure. they're in the grasses and they're in the grains yeah. that are eaten by that Which animal. Which are chelated are available. Exactly. Something that they can be used. Yeah. A dog or a, or a cat is not a grain eater, but a dog or a cat will certainly eat a partially digested grain because yeah. that animal has already taken the starch to that next level. Mm -hmm. So those are important factors in digestion. Then what happens is, in the case of a bear or a pack of wolves, they will pull those carcasses, if you will, mm -hmm. aside, and they leave them there for a few days. Yeah. And then that large muscle mass cures. Yeah. Or it actually starts to enzymatically digest. Right. So then when the carnivore or the omnivore eats it, it can digest it. Yeah. Because the dog's digestive system is very, very short. Right. It doesn't have much time. It goes in the mouth and it goes out the other end in a very short period yeah, of time. Usually, as, it as, seems like within a few hours. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, because it is, it is very short. So they have to eat things that are partially digested. Yeah. So what happens when we feed a preserved meat mm. that's been treated with antioxidants, if you will, right. the, what we call preservatives? Well, those antioxidants stop bacterial activity. Yeah which is what actually makes the thing digest in the, in the yeah, digestive system of the animal yeah. anyway. So that's why we pay such close attention to using natural types of antioxidants as preservatives. We use vitamin E and vitamin C right. and some of the herbs, rosemary and so yeah. on, which actually stop the bacterial activity or slow it down without using a chemical sure. that actually kills the bacteria in the digestive okay. system yeah, of the okay. dog. Yeah, okay, I'm with uh, you. Those are, those are pretty important things to do. And this, in the last 20 years, we Zamzos have been very instrumental in changing the industry from a chemical preservative to, yeah. to the more natural ones yeah. uh, when we recognize that. So we try to add back in the type of nutrients that that animal would have gotten in the wild, the full spectrum of the protein. Yeah. Not just the extruded or the processed meat, but the meat that also contains the cartilages, the right. adequate levels of fat, the minerals that are not just like ground up uh, <laughs> iron filings, which would be right. considered uh, iron, yeah, but, right. but actually a digested or a pre-digested form of iron that comes from the natural cycle of animals, yeah. plants and, and, and animal tissue. That's an interesting, uh, just an interesting idea. You know, you can say something has iron in it by putting a brick of iron uh -huh. in there. Rust. Yeah, that doesn't mean you can you do anything with that. <laughs> There's an iron that's available for plants. That same type of iron that a plant can use 
it's got to be a similar form that plants use, that we're going to use, that animals are going to use, and that it's available. Well, the truth is this. A plant can actually take an inorganic mineral mm. from the soil. It can take that iron oxide or that rust or those inorganic elements, and it, through the process of photosynthesis and tying that to amino acid, can actually turn it into a mineral that's available to a higher animal. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. So uh, not necessarily. A plant can actually do more than what a, an animal <laughs> can do. Now, when it comes to cattle, where they've got multiple stomachs and they actually have a biological paunch, they can do some fermentation of their own and, and do some natural chelation oh, of their minerals. So gotcha. a multi-stomached animal can handle some inorganic minerals. A simple or a monogast, simple-stomached animal cannot. Yeah. They have to have these minerals that are pre-digested. Yeah. Okay? Most dog foods are inorganic minerals. Yeah. Most of them do not supplement with an amino acid chelated form of trace minerals. So it becomes waste. Right. It becomes an irritant. It actually becomes, you've probably heard of this uh, iron toxic syndrome that we get in the liver. That's from the ingestion of mm. inorganic iron. Right. If you're biologically predisposed to eating a, a digested iron, you don't want to use a, an undigested sure, iron. Yeah. Right? So those are some of the things that we add back into our formulas, our chelated forms of minerals, which are many, many times more expensive than the simple kind. But then we also add back in the micro traces. Yeah. Some of the things that we know that are cancer-preventing, like selenium, like boron, like chromium for the proper, for the proper digestion of yeah. sugars, if you will, and vanadium, which right. is also <laughs> true. So if you want to get real good. technical, we use yeah. a package of those microtraces in all of our feeds and our dog and cat foods as well. We pay special attention to the amino acids. What are amino acids? Those are the components of protein. Yeah. Those components of protein then allow the animal to build all the tissue that it needs, yeah. heart, liver, etc. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Are we still talking about a dog here or are we talking about plants again? <laughs> it, was, it was just an interesting little, you know, moment there where it was they're very interconnected. There's a lot of things happening that are similar between our plants and our pets and ourselves and the soil and it all has something to do with something else. So, Great segment there, Jim. Thank you for that information. We're going to take a quick little break, and uh, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about some uh, dog food and feeding healthy and making sure everybody is in balance and doing well. So we'll be right back here on the Zamzo's Garden Show. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk 670 KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Zamzo, and if you're new to Boise, you probably know that Zamzo's is Idaho's oldest and largest garden store with 13 locations in the Treasure Valley. But what you may not know is that Zamzo's is also Idaho's oldest and largest group of pet stores, and that we formulate our own line of foods for dogs and cats that are superior to national brands. My great-grandparents used scientific state-of-the-art formulas for the feeds they made way back in 1933. Today, Zamzo still uses the latest scientific formulas, many of which were formulated by my dad, Jim Zamzo. And there's a Zamzo's or Grandma Z's formula for every pet and every budget. Our new line of fundamentals comes in three flavors, chicken, turkey, and whitefish, yet contains no corn, no wheat, no soy, making it ideal for dogs with allergies. But the best of the best is still our super premium Grandma Z's line and our top-selling Idaho trout and potato. So for the best in lawn and garden, come to Zamzo's. But for the best pet food and pet supplies, there's also only one place to go, Zamzo's. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are, we are News Talk KDOI.
All right, we are back with another segment on the Zamzo's Garden Show, and I am your host, Nolan Guthrie, and with me is Jim Zamzo. We're doing a pre-recorded show here today, talking about something not necessarily lawn and garden. Well, on the surface, it doesn't seem lawn and garden, but, you know, in actuality, the more I get to talk to you, Jim, these things are very closely related. I mean, there's there's a lot of interconnectedness between any of these conversations, I feel. And uh, a lot of it carries over. Because um, it all begins at the soil. Yeah, right? I know, right? Isn't that funny? <laughs> In the last segment we were talking about, you know, kind of how you go about formulating a food, why you choose this over that, and, and what you're going to put into it. So once you've got this collection of, you know, good quality ingredients, how are these things put together? How are they processed? What's the difference in a Zamzo's food as opposed to something else? Okay. There are two basic ways that pet foods are processed these days. There's a baked product called a kibble, mm. and then there is the extruded, and that's like your little O's, like a Cheerio. Or oh, okay. Both processes go through a very high temperature type of a processing. Right. And the downside to that is it kills all the enzymes that are mm -hmm. in the feed. And it also alters some of the other components, some of the minerals, some of the vitamins, and right. so on. And those enzymes, those were the things that, when we were talking about the wild animals eating it, it's those enzymes that are pre-digesting, right. beginning to break down that food so it's easier for the canine or the cat to start to digest and you're, use. You're onto something there. <laughs> so oh, what happens when we process pet foods and we process them under high temperature, yeah. we basically kill them. There's no microbes in there that are alive, and there's some kind of preservative on there, so they won't come back alive in the bag. Right. So uh, at least you use a natural type of a preservative, and you kill all of the enzymes, which is what we talked about. Basically, that's the curing process of meats. That's where meats start to enzymatically decompose to where they're more digestible for the dog. Mm -hmm. Okay, those are also killed. Yeah. So we've got the complete ball of wax, if you will, ready to go into the dog, except for the dog is required to supply its own enzymes and its own yeah. microbes, its own gut bacteria, if mm -hmm. you will. That's why we build the product we call Enzam. Yeah. Enzam has a complete array of vitamins and minerals, but it also has the enzymes and what we call the probiotics or the bacteria that will help the digest process to go on in the body, but also it's got what we call prebiotics in there, okay. which are things like inulin, which help to stimulate the growth of these microbes in the digestive system. Right. And those are all put together in a package we call Enzam, and we recommend that that product be top-dressed on any feed. Arguably, we believe we're selling a, a fantastic, if not one of the best dog foods out there. You still recommend putting Enzam on even that fit? I do, because it doesn't matter what national super premium brand you use. Yeah. They are all processed under high temperature, unless they're a raw or a freeze-dried material. Mm -hmm. Even a freeze-dried is killed. Right. So if you want to supplement the life of your dog, when a dog has to use his own enzymes and own bacterium to work on these dead products, yeah. it shortens their life. Right. It's and plain I've, and simple. They're trading something of themselves in order to basically break this down so that they can use it, but there's nothing replenishing that. that That's right. They've only got so much. They're using up basically themselves to be able to eat that food. I can't tell you any statistics, but I'm sure they're out there on how much longer an animal will live 
and how much healthier they will be while they are alive yeah. if they're supplemented with probiotics, prebiotics, and enzymes. Right. Let alone the chelated minerals that we use in there and also the forms of vitamins that we use for an animal's good health. So yes, we recommend that whether you're using a street-level dog food you can still make it better by using Enzam. Sure. Yeah, it's a great product. This and Thrive really set Zamzos apart from a lot of other things. They're very unique and they're doing something very different. So I'm really glad we got a chance to talk about Enzam a little bit. So you mentioned a little bit about raw and freeze-dried. I had a cat for a while and uh, she was always on our Grandma Z's grain-free cat food. And I would actually supplement with some raw food. What kind of experience do you have with a raw? You know, it's something that it seems like in a lot of places is something that is kind of popular, not so much popular here. What's your opinion? What's your experience you've had with a raw diet or freeze dried or even just canned food? Well, I think if we go back to what is the perfect food for a dog, it would be a raw complex diet from a rodent, maybe a rabbit or from a bird or something like that. A lot of people can, in fact, purchase raw materials and make dog food out of it. Some people cook their own dog food. Some people stir fry chicken and put (laughs) peas and carrots and things like that in it. That's fine. I mean, that's really, really good for their dog as long as they add something in there that increases the enzymes because when they cook it, they're killing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's another good point. I mean, when we were talking about the first thing that the, the dog would eat, that soft digestive material, you're probably not buying digestive material from the butcher. And so, again, you're kind of missing yeah. that little bit of that important bit of that pre-digested grain or But as, as far protein. as the, the freeze-dried and some of these fresh frozen diets, they're very expensive. Yeah. The whole idea, and some people love that, but I like to add a little bit of raw or some canned back into a kibble more for flavor than anything else. Yeah. My wife insists that our cats get different flavors at different times because she feels that they deserve it. (laughs) Yeah. And they do seem to like it. Some cats absolutely won't change their diet at all, so you have to be careful about that. But that wouldn't be our cats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think what I've found to be the most helpful with that is like raw is fairly expensive to just do that exclusively. With our cat, I didn't feel like that was the right thing to do completely but supplementing it a little bit just because, you know, for flavor, for even just helping with hydration in particular in a cat. And maybe we can talk a little bit about that here in the next segment because diversity is going to be good. You're going to get a little bit more. You're getting something here that you're not here and, and adding Enzam to either one of those things is always a good thing. So we're going to go to a quick break and we're going to come back for one more segment here on the Zamzo's Garden Show. So stick around. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk 670 KBOI. Hi, this is Callie Zamzo, and it's time for Zamzo's Recharger, the incredible biologically correct lawn food specially designed to prepare Treasure Valley lawns for fall and winter. You see, when my dad Jim Zamzo formulated Zamzo's Recharger, he doubled the amount of phosphorus and potassium of our regular lawn food. That's because in the fall, your lawn is regenerating itself. And Zamzo's Recharger gives your lawn the nutrients it needs to build a strong, healthy root system. Plus, Recharger slow feeds your lawn all winter long. So when it wakes up in the spring, you have the greenest lawn in the neighborhood. Recharger is step five of the Zamzo's lawn program. But you don't need to be on the program to apply it. You can buy Recharger one bag at a time. 
But if you do purchase or renew your Zamzo's lawn program before December 24th, you get next year's program at this year's price, saving you up to $150. So come see us now at Zamzo's. 13 stores to serve you, including Federal Way and Geckler in Southeast Boise. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. Nate Shellman. The idea that a number of other doctors would complain to the board. Hey, hey, that guy's treating patients in a way we don't all agree with. That's why people go for second opinions. If Dr. Cole was prescribing his patients something and they were dying from that thing he was prescribing, I could understand the complaint. Weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. On News Talk, KBOI. Okay, we are back here on the Zamzo's Garden Show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie, and uh, with me is Jim. Zamzo is in studio with us doing a, a pre-recorded show. Where we've been talking about dog nutrition, dog food, health, all that sort of stuff. And uh, Jim, over the years, you know, I was a store manager for an eternity, it seemed like. <laughs> it was a great eternity. But when people would come in and look for dog foods or cat foods, there was usually a couple of things that they looked for. You know, they looked to see if it was a meat-based food. But some of the things that I try to key them into is that just because it's a meat-based food or some of the ingredients are laid out this way, you want to marry that up with the protein and fat contents because what on the surface can look like something can look good. If it doesn't match up to the guaranteed analysis of that food, the story can be slightly different. So I always felt like kind of knowing where the uh, protein to crude fat ratios were and how those things related was a better indicator in a lot of ways as to what the rest of the food was going to have. This is a real common problem. It's a very misunderstood concept in pet nutrition. That is the relationship of protein to fat. Yeah. Oftentimes people will look at a product and say, well, I think that's too high in protein. But it's never about how high the protein is. It's always the relationship between the protein and the fat. Yeah. If you've got a very high protein and a low level of fat, then you've got too much protein. Yeah. But if you've got a fairly high level of protein and a fairly high level of fat in relationship to that, in other words, two-thirds of that, then that's not a problem. Why is that the case? Well, the case is dogs don't eat to satisfy their protein requirements. They mm. eat to satisfy their energy requirements. Interesting, yeah. So if they have enough fat, they're not going to be hungry for protein. Mm. Okay? Well, let me tell you a little story. Uh, I consult some mushers up in Alaska, and, and some of them have been consistent winners in the Iditarod and yeah. the Yukon Quest. A few years ago, they were having problems with their dogs about halfway through the Iditarod having uh, pain in their backs and bloody urination. Yeah. They were diagnosed with having a viral problem and, and kidney infections. Yeah. So I flew up to Anchorage and drove over to Palmer and met with some of them and tried to figure out what the problem might be, why they would be getting this disease only in these long races hmm. but not in training, <laughs> right? Right, yeah. Well, I, to make a long story short, I found out that they were adding protein during the race that they were not doing during training, mm. and they were throwing their protein to fat balance off. Right. So when a, a dog can digest protein for energy, but the byproduct of that is urea nitrogen. Okay. So urea nitrogen has to be filtered through the kidneys, yeah. which overstresses the kidneys, which causes inflammation in the kidneys, and uh, thus okay. the sore low back. They can't get a full stride, and they urinate bloody urine. Yeah. So just by elevating their fat, 
which we took care of, and decreasing their, their protein in relation to that fat. Yeah. Then we solved the problem, and they've been very successful in their in their mushing up there now for for the last number of years. When we come into a domestic type of a situation where we're not feeding raw meats and those types of things, we do have to be pay more attention to the oxidation of the fats in the bags, for example. Right. Okay. Uh, so those do have to have some preservatives, some yeah. antioxidants in there. And if we can use things like a fat-soluble vitamin E, mm-hmm. which also adds to the vitamin E stores of the body, but also helps keep the fat from oxidizing in the in the bag, then then we're doing right. like a pretty good job. Yeah. And so with that, I find it interesting. You know, we've had numerous people with some of our foods that are, uh, you know, a higher fat, higher protein food, and people will actually find that their overweight dog actually loses weight. Yeah. when they're being fed something like that. And so, I mean, what's happening with that? I mean, it's, it's a weird idea. You know, you don't think, you know, we've always been trained to, you know, more reduce fat, but it's actually almost the opposite yeah. of that. That's why the folly of a high-fiber, low-nutritious diet for a dog losing weight is definitely a folly. Yeah. So what do we do? We put a bunch of empty calories in there, wheat bran or something like yeah. that, and a poor source of protein, and sure, if we feed a dog poorly, he's going to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, what if we can feed him sawdust and he'll lose weight too, you know? Yeah. Put a little meat flavoring on some sawdust, which those amount to. No, if you feed him adequate levels of fat, the dog will only eat to satisfy those requirements, and then he will quit eating. Yeah. Unless you have you have got him tied up in your emotions, mm, yeah. which is, oh, Buck, why aren't you eating? You know, please eat, please eat. And Buck says, no, I'm not hungry. But right. you put the food there and finally he takes a bite and you go, oh, Buck, you're such a good boy. Right. Yeah, you're training him. You're training him to overeat. Yeah. You know, so those are those are things that we have to deal with under the psychology department, not under the feed department. <laughs> sure. So uh, one more thing I wanted to briefly talk about. You know, I mentioned I had a cat. It was the first cat I had ever owned. I mean, I always had dogs on my life. I actually kind of found that I, I kind of prefer cats because they don't need me to pay attention to them all the time. But, you know, when it comes to cats, there's a difference in how they eat and why they eat the things that they do. And you you talked a little bit about it. You know, they might not change their diet. But I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about, you know, what is it that makes a cat just a little bit different than a dog and why you would feed them a specific way or, or specific food? Well, a cat is an obligate carnivore. Right. Which means they are a true meat eater. A dog is an omnivore. Yeah. Which means he can eat, you know, <laughs> whatever in, intestines, yeah. <laughs> the, sawdust, you know, you know, <laughs> cat <Yeah>. leavings, <laughs> whatever they can find, old skunks, you know, yeah. after they roll around in them. Yeah, dogs are omnivores, so they get by better by eating a universal diet. Yeah. Uh, cats need higher protein. The more raw protein that a cat can get, the better off they are, the better they like it, the healthier they are. But they're also really requiring a high taurine diet. Mm. Taurine is uh, an amino acid that only can be gotten from fresh meats mm. unless it's added okay. back into a diet. Right. So that's one of the things that we have to do to make sure in a cat food that's different than a dog food is to make sure that we have that amino acid taurine added in. Gotcha. The other thing is cats will get FUS or what we call feline urinary calculi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and that forms a, a little crystal balls in their urine and mm. and they it can actually plug up their urethra and they can actually die from urinary yeah. we call it urinary calculi right and that comes from too much of the wrong kind of mineral 
mm. uh, mostly magnesium. So yeah. when we formulate these cat diets, we have to make sure that, that we don't get those elements out of balance or mm. we can cause actually some injury to the cat. Yeah. So those are important. Most of the high-end cat foods pay attention to those sure. those factors, and we make sure that we include those in our diets. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Jim, um, that's about all the time we're going to have for this segment or for this show, really. You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about soils and lawns and gardens and, and our pets. And I'm hoping the culmination, the bringing together of these three things will kind of help everybody kind of understand where Zamzos is coming from, what brought us here, why we're doing the things we're doing. And I was just, any closing remarks, something you'd like to say that kind of ties any of this stuff together or, or something you want people to take away from this? Well, you know, I always think of Zamzos as being a problem-solving company. Yeah. And when we recognize there's problems out there with feeds or with soils, with plants or whatever, we go to work and we try to figure out what the problems are and we come up with the solutions for them so that people can live better lives. Yeah. If your dog or cat can live longer and a more healthy life, we've really accomplished something. And you know, there's not much that we won't do for our pets. Yeah. Well, I like to see that with a garden, too. Yeah. If people have success with their gardens, and they have good quality produce, and they, they're going to feel better, live longer, get good exercise, and really enjoy growing good crops. Nothing's worse than having a failed garden. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so the thing I have always appreciated the most is that we've got a product that's going to help you get there, but also the education. You know, we want to help you understand what is going on, what's happening in the bigger picture of all this so that we don't just, you know, do one thing. There's Absolutely. multiple things that we're going to Well, you do. know, the old saying, if people know better, they do better. Yeah. So education is really part of our business. So yeah, hopefully definitely. we can be helpful in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Jim, thank you so much again for taking the time to talk with us and share this history of Zamzos and, and where you've come from and where we're going. I honestly thank you so much for letting me hang out with you for a, little, a few hours and, and talk to you. So, You're welcome. It's been good to be here. Yeah. All right. So that's about all we got for this week on the Zamzos Garden Show. We will be back next week with some live content and we'll see you then. Hi, this is Callie Zamzo, and once again, the Idaho Humane Society's Sea Spot Walk has gone virtual. But this year, rather than one week of celebrating our furry four-legged friends, they're making Sea Spot Walk a month-long event. You can still register in person at any of our 13 Zamzos. And when you do, you'll receive your t-shirt and doggy bandana on the spot. You then have until October 31st to participate in online fundraising by going to cspotwalk.org or their Facebook page. Once there, you can compete for prizes and sign up for fun online contests. Remember, Sea Spot Walk is one of the Humane Society's largest and most important fundraisers of the year, with all proceeds going to help them care for the over 11,000 animals that pass through their doors each year. Zamzos is proud to be one of the original sponsors of Sea Spot Walk and has supported this important event for 29 years. So please help us help the animals by signing up now for Sea Spot Walk at any Zamzos. It's all brought to you by the Idaho Humane Society and your dog-loving friends right here at Zamzos. <laughs>